I told them folks? I said, you all can go to hell. I'm going to Texas. Good morning, worthy friends. This is the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, last live radio station standing, coming to you from the Republic of Texas. Jerome Belos, Captain Middle America himself, Rick Bear, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that'll follow. Big news today is Twitter, Facebook, censorship. And with all that being said, it looks like Mr. Uh, not Mr. Senator Ted Cruz of the great state of Texas, where I'm from, uh, has just made some breaking news uh, at the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, proceedings. So let's break into that now. Let's listen to what the good senator has to say here on the Crusade Channel. Well, it's Mike Church here at the Crusade Channel News Desk. To clarify, he's not in the Judiciary Committee because it's adjourned. He's in the Senate office building, apparently in the same hallway where Mark Meadows yesterday Refused to put his mask on while talking to reporter, reporters, and when reporters went all COVID, Kyle and Karen on him and started shrinking about the death and super spreader event, Meadows walked away. Um, OANN is the only station covering this because Cruz does not have a mask on, but Lindsey Graham is standing right next to him. This is breaking news, folks. Listen. With serious allegations of corruption of one of the two candidates for president. That was last night. This morning, the story escalated and got even worse. The New York Post broke a second story of a series of emails that indicate yet more corruption. In this instance, the Biden family receiving millions of dollars from communist China government officials. Just minutes ago, I tried to share that story on Twitter. And Twitter is actively blocking right now this instant stories from the New York Post alleging corruption and the Biden fa family receiving millions of dollars from communist China. This is election interference and we are 19 days out from an election. It has no precedent in the history of democracy. The Senate Judiciary Committee wants to know what the hell is going on. Chairman Lindsey Graham and I have discussed this at length, and the committee today will be noticing a markup on Tuesday to issue a subpoena to Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee next Friday to come before this committee and the American people and explain why Twitter is abusing their corporate power to silence the press and to cover up allegations of corruption. And let me be clear, I don't know if these New York Post stories are true or not. Those are questions Vice President Biden should answer. But Twitter and Facebook and big tech billionaires don't get to censor political speech and actively interfere in the election. That's what they're doing right now. And so on Tuesday, the Judiciary Committee, the full committee, will be voting on subpoenas to subpoena Jack Dorsey to come before our committee. The Democrats can certainly raise procedural objections. They can try to delay the subpoena. I don't believe they, they will be successful. 
We are 19 days out from an election, so if the Democrats were to try to play procedural games to delay the subpoena until after the election, that would be obvious and, and transparently political. Chairman Graham. Thank you. Uh, you know, 2020 can't any stranger. So they're 19 days out from an election. Again, I don't know if the New York Post article is true. Uh, I think it is established that Hunter Biden, while he was visiting China with the vice president, uh, received money from a Chinese bank for investment. I don't know <clears throat> much more about it, but I do know this, that uh, a lot of uh, information, the Steele dossier, was all over the place. They never blocked that. All the allegations about Russian collusion and Trump and every other idea that Trump may have done something bad, nobody blocked that. So what we're going to do is we're going to finally have an accounting that's long overdue. These social media platforms have a dominance in our lives. They're newspapers, uh, they're TV stations, they're radio stations, they're publishers. And this, to me, crystallizes the problem better than anything I could think of for the American people. You may be a Democrat uh, saying, I don't want to hear the New York Post. It could be you tomorrow. So the point is that the power behind these platforms have been taken to a level that truly is dangerous, I think. The stopping Americans who have these tools available to them from exercising their ability to share information with their friends. Nobody in Twitter and social media shut down anything about Trump and Russia. So we're going to proceed Tuesday. Hopefully the Democrats on the committee will be as interested in this uh, as we are because it's us today, it could be them tomorrow. Thank you. I, just, I want to say Hawley that uh, obviously I agree wholeheartedly with the chairman. Senator Cruz, I think taking this action is absolutely necessary. Last night, the subcommittee, my subcommittee on crime and terrorism, invited both Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg to come and testify. I think a subpoena from the Judiciary Committee is absolutely appropriate and in order. It is absolutely vital. We believe in a free press in this country. We also believe in free elections and the attempt to rig an election which is what we are seeing here by monopolies, is unprecedented in American history. They have a lot to answer for, and I hope that we'll subpoena both Twitter and Facebook. They should both come. They're both engaged in censorship. They're both massive monopolies. They should answer to the Judiciary Committee. They should answer for the, to the full Senate. They should answer the American people, and that's what this is about, and I look forward to taking this vote and hearing their testimony to the committee. All right, so uh, Richard, there you go to start the Barrett brief off with a wham, a wham, uh, and a bam. Uh, people are in the chat room talking about this. Yeah, but they're not going to do anything. A subpoena is different from an invitation. Yes, it is. A yes, it is. A patina, uh, a, sub, a patina, uh, uh, a la cucaracha, la cucaracha. You know, I got lunch on my mind. Can you tell? Yeah. Uh, a subpoena is far different from a uh, from an invitation to come and testify. A subpoena means there's legal stuff that's going down. So there is actually a Federal Election Commission rule on this, and Hawley said it and Jordan said it in both their letters to, to Jack Dorsey that you're in violation of this law. We take this stuff seriously. We've had Supreme Court cases on federal election FEC law. Uh, if you're in violation, you're going to pay what... I would like to see them do is ultimately get to a piece of a uh, legislation where they deny them or they force them to live like the phone company, like the example I gave. 
Yeah. You're a phone company now, dude. You're a utility. You can't do this in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but uh, we all know, though, Richard, and I'll give you the, your, your show back. I've hogged enough time up. <laughs> i just leave you with, we all know that this would not stop the algorithm sh- and the stealing of our, uh, the uh, pilfering of private data and then the serving of ads. And, and this is, I think, what the reason why you get off social media is because they manip- they're ultimately manipulating you. So, uh, big news breaking here on the Crusade Channel. Back to the Barrett Brief, live and in progress. Thank you, Middle Church. So, uh, as we, uh, I talked to you guys, if you were listening to the Mike Church Show, which you should be, uh, about big tech censorship, I've been on that, I guess we'll just use the word, the crusade for it, for the almost three years I've been on here. I've been covering big tech censorship and explaining how they get away with it, right? How do they get away with this this whole thing? Well, it's very simple. According to Section 230 in the Telecommunications Act, they are a platform. They are a platform. They are not a phone company. They are not a publisher. At least that's how they they get away with it. Uh, they they say we are a platform for anybody to to post. And that's how they they also shield themselves from any kind of controversy in regards to comments, right? Uh, They say, we are a platform for people to post and comment, and we are not responsible for the things that are put on the platform. We are just a hosting site. And so as you listen to the Barrett Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing, you can give me a call at 844-527-8723 or jump into the Crusader Stadium at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. We've been covering the list of people, Milo Yiannopoulos, Owen Benjamin, Alex Jones, Stefan Molyneux, and more, Laura Laura Loomer, uh, who have been booted off your mainstream social media platforms. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, that's pretty much the the main ones. If I'm forgetting one, uh, you can let me know, but those are the main ones. Also, sometimes people throw in podcasts on top of that. You can and can. It doesn't matter to me. But they get away with a lot of this stuff by saying we are a platform. Of course, every time they ban somebody, every time they manipulate the algorithm to suppress or throttle, like Mike Church's account, Veritas Radio, uh, or the Crusade Channel account at Veritas Radio Net, or any, any social media account they don't feel should be promoted, they can easily throttle it down, make it shadow banned, hidden. And uh, people have been screaming it since Trump got into office, 230 reform. Now, my friend um, from uh, from Fridays, from Freedom Works, uh, Daniel, who will be Mr. Daniel Savakis, he likes to push back and say, well, hey, you really don't want the government to do that. At this point, I'm sorry, I'll give up my... I'm not a conservative anyway, I'm a Catholic. That's my political affiliation. I'm fine with the censorship of it. Because here's the thing, that those rules are in place and they haven't affected the phone company. Right? As long as it's done per actually manipulating, not manipulating, or rewriting or correcting Section 230 and not done via executive order. Now it's great, I'm happy they're subpoenaing. They're, they're doing the subpoenas. I think Jack Dorsey needs to be dragged in front of this 
But at this point, something needs to be done. Right? Something needs to be done. Because at this stage of the election, and you would think Trump would just demand, because he has some things in the works that he get the FCC to maybe do some temporary measures. Of course, we all know in government terms, temporary is permanent. To limit the obvious bias that exists between the left and big tech. It's also, most of you will not, or most of you will point out that it is not a coincidence that big tech is located in Silicon Valley, California. So, of course, the people who are working at these places must share, because last time I checked, Silicon Valley is not a, a bastion of conservative thought. But restrictions have to happen. And I know the freedom people will scream and holler and, and make all kinds of noise about interference in the market. The market itself needs correction. Because if you don't correct it, there's never going to be, uh, or if you don't put a, a system of rules in place while you have the ability to do so, Senate, presidency, right? You're not going to get it back. Let's say Joe Biden does somehow manage to take the White House in 19 days. You think they're going to be able, you think you're ever going to have a chance again to put the rules and restrictions in place that are needed to really wrangle social media? Nah, it'll be gone. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, most important election, but the way you're seeing the progressive left double down. Really, everything has been exposed as far as their final plan or what, they, what they're what they trying to do. They're not trying to hide it anymore, folks. Talking about court backing or immigration or whatever, whatever topic or area or policy you want to discuss. You don't think they'll make sure that social media censorship by these companies will be free and acceptable if you have a Democratic president. And whenever that happens, if you don't take the steps now, if you don't take the steps now to regulate, if you don't take the steps now to clamp down. And I think it's great what we just heard from Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham and others here on the Crusade channel when news breaks out, we break in. It's a good step. But this has been going on for long enough that why why did it take the GOP so long to do this? Why did it? I mean, we know because most of them are feckless and most of them are are really not in the mood to deal with this stuff because money and, and donations and just the fact that most of the people on the right don't understand big tech. Hopefully, this is the event that pushes them out. Biden's emails, Hunter Biden's laptop is going to be the event that pushes it in that way. Because Jack should not, and I'm talking about Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, by the way, this is the end result of the three plus years that Mark Zuckerberg has been dragged before Congress is for now.
this moment. So that way, let's say Trump wins. He says, well, I did everything I could. I throttled down. I had my head of of communications over here at Facebook, not share it, subject it to fact checkers, all that kind of stuff. That's what they've been doing. They've been setting up for moments like this. When this article came out. And let's be real. If Biden is up 7,000 points in now every national poll, would this be a big deal? Just have to ask yourself that. Some of you may say, oh, well, they got to throttle it anyway, and that could turn the tide. If, if there is so much animus towards Trump, and if he's really got no shot at winning then does it matter any of this stuff? Because it can just be dismissed. But I think, why are we seeing it now? Is it different when you're banning Miley Yiannopoulos, Alex Jones, Owen Benjamin? Yeah, those are individuals. Is the mistake, we'll end the segment with this question, we'll pick up on it on the other side. Is the mistake that Twitter and Facebook made in their rush to protect Joe Biden, the fact that they crossed the uh, the wrong Rubicon, right? They crossed into print media, a supposed ally of social media. As long as it was individuals, there was no prep. You could get away with it. Oh, this person's racist. This is this. This is that. But now that you've gone up against a a long time publication, a long time print journal. That may be the moment, if there is one, where Facebook and Twitter have gone too far and cannot pull, or you can't put the lid on it. All right, we're done with this segment. Coming back on the other side, we're going to explore this topic a little bit more. Give me a call at 844-527-8723, along with breaking news. If it breaks out, we break in. You're listening to The Barrett Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. Issues of the day and the narrative that will follow. Archville and Bain philosophical advice sold separately. All right, welcome back to the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. Coming to you from the Republic of Texas on this October 15th. 2020. It's your humble host, Captain Middle America Suffolk Barrett, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that'll follow. 844-527-8723. CrusadeChannel.com forward slash chat. C-H-A-T. We're going to throw it back uh, to Washington, D.C. because it looks like the ABA, the American Bar Association, for those of you that are asking what that acronym is, 
they're giving their assessment of one Amy Coney Barrett, which is also ACB for another uh, another abbreviation. So let's throw it over to the uh, Crusade Channel news desk or to the Crusade Channel, and let's listen to the ABA give their remarks on Miss Amy Coney Barrett. So there's two uh, remarks. The first one's already been given, and uh, that was from the ABA's general uh, rating. They gave her extremely, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, quote, well-qualified, close quote. This is from the uh, Integrity Committee, and uh, they arrive at their findings by interviewing people that know the the nominee and then by reviewing their work. I think you'll find this interesting. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ranking member Feinstein and members of the committee. As my colleague just introduced, I'm Pamela Roberts and I'm the lead evaluator for the nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to sit as uh, a justice on the Supreme Court of the United States. It is my honor to be here today and to present the testimony on behalf of the committee's evaluation of Judge Barrett's professional qualifications. Let me first start with what the committee did not do. We did not base our rating on or seek to express any view regarding Judge Barrett's philosophy, political affiliation, or ideology. We also did not solicit information as to how Judge Barrett might vote on specific issues or cases that might come before the Supreme Court. Rather, the Standing Committee's evaluation of Judge Barrett is based solely on the comprehensive, nonpartisan, non-ideological peer review of the nominee's integrity, professional competence, and judicial temperament. In evaluating integrity, we consider the nominee's character and general reputation in the legal community, as well as the nominee's industry and diligence. Judge Barrett has earned and enjoys an excellent reputation for integrity and outstanding character. Judges and lawyers alike uniformly extolled the nominee's integrity. We can recount a few comments, such as, she's incredibly honest and forthright. She's exactly who you think she is. She's nothing about her is fake. She is good, decent, selfless, and sincere. She is an exemplar of living an integrated life in which her intellect, integrity, and compassion weave the different threads of her life together seamlessly. On the basis of these and many, many other laudatory comments and analysis, she received our comprehensive, through we received, excuse me, through our comprehensive evaluation, the standing committee concluded that Judge Barrett possesses the integrity required of a well-qualified 
rating. Professional competence encompasses such qualities as intellectual capability, judgment, writing, and analytical abilities, knowledge of the law, and breadth of experience. A Supreme Court nominee must possess exceptional professional qualifications, including an especially high degree of legal scholarship, academic talent, analytical and writing abilities, and overall excellence. Judge Barrett's professional competence exceeds these criteria. In, in our evaluation of Judge Barrett's professional competence, the members of the Sanding Committee not only evaluated the reports mentioned by my colleague, by the practitioners and the academic reading groups, but then went further to be Get, obtain the views of lawyers, academics, and Judge Barrett's judicial peers. Descriptions of her intellect are captured with comments such as these. She is whip smart. She's highly productive, punctual, and well-prepared. A brilliant writer and thinker. She's quite pragmatic. Judge Barrett is an intellectual giant with people skills and engaging warmth. An amazing student, this came from a professor obviously, without question, the smartest student I have ever taught. But put it simply, one said, the myth is real. She is a staggering academic mind. Given the breadth, depth, and strength of the feedback we received, the standing committee concluded that Judge Barrett had demonstrated professional competence to exceptional and sufficiently outstanding to be rated well qualified. In evaluating her judicial temperament, the standing committee considers a nominee's compassion, decisiveness, open-mindedness, courtesy, patience, freedom from bias, and most of all, commitment to equal justice under the law. The following comments provide insight into her demeanor as a jurist. She's always willing to be helpful, engage with others on a topic, even when she has a different philosophy. When she writes a dissent, she is collegial. She's an efficient judge. She is always prepared. At oral argument, she asks insightful questions. There's never a hint of sarcasm in her questioning. She is also a good listener. She has a calm, scholarly temperament. Judge Barrett has demonstrated stellar judicial temperament in all settings and meets the standard of a well-qualified. In conclusion, Judge Barrett meets the highest standards of integrity, professional competence, and judicial temperament. It is the opinion of the ABA Standing Committee on the Federal Judiciary that Judge Barrett is well-qualified to serve as an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. Thank you so well, much. Well, there you go, Richard. Uh, back to you. Uh, so the ABA, which is a very liberal organization, uh, has given Judge Amy Coney Barrett its highest recommendation, well-qualified. I don't believe there's one above well-qualified. So difficult to see now. You're nitpicking at things to vote against uh, uh, Judge Barrett. That's what all this has bearing on. Exactly. And uh, we, we saw that from the first day uh, with the line of questioning from libs or the progressive left. They were attacking 
bit pieces of the ACA and and kind of trying to call her the stooge or the torpedo or whatever that was going to rip health care from billions and uh, everybody on the planet because she was going to be the vote to destroy the ACA. And then they tried to go after Roe and then Dick Durbin with his ridiculous equivocation that because she was in favor of giving gun rights to non-violent felons back that she was going to deny them their First Amendment right. It was just, it was a waste of three days and and just real typical Washington, D.C. stuff at work. But to have the ABA, which endorses abortion and and all other kind of lib causes, get, come in and, and give her the highest rating you can, really shows that, as I said, I believe a day or two ago, and you said this morning, Mike, she is a brilliant legal mind. You can't deny the fact that she is. Even though uh, Bill or Ted, whichever one is not Keanu Reeves, was real mad that she held up the notepad that didn't have anything written on it. He he went on a he's trying to prove he's not an idiot, but he did. He proved that he was. Well, there you go. And just uh, for what it's worth, uh, in our uh, chat room, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas only received a qualified, not well qualified, recommendation. So for uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, a, a good day in the Senate Judiciary Chamber. We'll keep an eye on the rest of the proceedings. And now go back to Zabarit Brief Live here. When news breaks out, we break in here on the Crusade Channel reporting from the Crusade Channel live news desk. Mike Church here. Now back to the Barrett Brief in progress. Thank you, Mr. Church, here on the Barrett Brief on the Crusade Channel. The last live radio station standing always on air. Always online at crusadechannel.com. Breaking news as well uh, from NBC about 10 minutes ago, maybe. YouTube is now banning QAnon and other conspiracy content that targets individuals. Now, they're going to be able to try and get around this uh, because of, you know, they're, the, they're, they're going to hide behind hate and harassment by saying conspiracy theories do that. But uh, Susan Wachowski who is the CEO of YouTube has said that they will no longer allow content. This is from ABC. I'm sorry. NBC's Brandy Zarotsky and Ben Collins said they will no longer allow content that targets individuals or groups with conspiracy theories, uh, unless they hurt Trump. Let's just be real on that. Uh, pretty much targeting QAnon and Pizzagate saying that they are taking steps to curb their effort or efforts to curb hate and harassment by removing more conspiracy theory content used to justify real world violence. So we're seeing more suspensions on and more bans on different platforms. Facebook, Twitter, now YouTube has jumped in, starting to ban certain content. Although it is interesting to note that on Twitter right now, there is a hashtag of the Eric uh, Trump Ukraine conspiracy, which is, has its genesis, and Eric Trump went to the Ukraine in 2014, and they found a picture of him. Yeah, well, that dog don't hunt because the president, uh, his dad was not president in 2014. So okay, <laughs> that there's nothing there, but yet Twitter has no problem allowing that to trend. And I have this article here from the Federalist.com's. Uh, Joy Pullman, 11 hacks, leaks, and hoaxes that Twitter and Facebook didn't throttle because they hurt Trump. 
Twitter technically is a fig leaf to enable continued control of public discourse by an unelected private industry that is nine to one in the tank for Democrats and can decide what Americans are and allowed to know. Um, and she recaps that on Wednesday, Twitter and Facebook banned their users from sharing a link to an explosive report from the New York Post containing emails indicating Hunter Biden's uh, lucrative monetization process of his father's vice presidency through international business dealings. A massive public relations disaster ensued, including the fact that the Biden campaign was like, yeah, the emails are real. That's the thing nobody talks about. When the Biden campaign was asked, hey, is, is this stuff real? They were like, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't lie about it because it wasn't QAnon at uh, at Twitter making this up. It was a, a, a legitimate, whatever you think about the New York Post, it is a long-running, legitimate source of news, meaning that when stuff is published, most of its stuff, most of his stuff. Now, like, there's quirky stuff in the New York Post. But the news side is actually pretty legit. When the New York Post asked to confirm, they're like, yeah, it is. Those, those emails are real. So when they talk about this being conspiracy theories and all this other stuff, you have to understand that they're just throwing things against the wall. And what is Twitter using to justify all of this? There's a policy that they established, quote unquote, in 2018, obviously after the WikiLeaks drop in 2016 that helped President Trump, right? A lot of people associated WikiLeaks with helping President Trump. Even President Trump uh, mentioning on the campaign trail a couple of times that he loved WikiLeaks and get all the information out there. And and so Twitter established this policy in 2018. And they have this, this policy that says, it prohibits the use of our service to distribute content obtained without authorization. I'll say that again. Their policy that a that Twitter established in 2018 prohibits the use of our service to distribute content without it without authorization. Now I'm sure Joy Pullman's going to mention this stuff in her article on the Federalist, which we'll go back to. But most of you, my genius listeners of the Bear Brief, because of course that's why you come here here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. What about Trump's tax returns? What about Trump's uh, updates on his health when he had COVID-19. All of those things were unauthorized uh, news drops, news leaks. What about 90% of the things that have come out about Trump since he's been in office? They're leaks. They're not authorized. Twitter hasn't banned any of it, which is what Joy Pullman writes about. Uh, Twitter continues and says, we don't want to incentivize by hacking Incentivize hacking by allowing Twitter to be used as a distribution for possibly illegally obtained materials. As long as it doesn't, if it if it hurts Trump, you know, none of this stuff applies to you, <laughs> by the way. None of this stuff applies to you. But if you hurt Democrats or liberals or anybody that Twitter likes, boom, this policy is going to get absolutely used on you and hammered down your throat. Once again... They have a policy they established in 2018 at Twitter. They have it, Twitter Safety. I've retweeted it on my Twitter feed, Barrett Brief, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-R-I-E-F. They established a policy in 2018, Twitter did, that now i got to read the whole thing first, and I'm sure you're going to be laughing as I read through it. I'll, I'll laugh with you when I'm done. 
but the policy prohibits the use of their service to distribute content obtained without authorization. They didn't. Uh, Twitter does not want to incentivize hacking by allowing the platform itself to be used as distribution for possibly illegally obtained materials. And that's all because of what happened in 2016 with WikiLeaks. That's all that is. Somebody had to come in and wrote that, write that up. Although Trump's tax returns were obtained without authorization. Um, suspicious activity reports from the Treasury Department. All of the, uh, we're going to go through these right now from Joy Pullman's article. None of these things were ever held to this standard. But as soon as something comes out that could hurt the Biden campaign, which I said in the first segment, if Joe Biden is up by a gazillion points, what does this matter? If there's no way Trump can win because everybody just hates him, then it doesn't matter what can drop. It doesn't matter what these stories come out. Kind of like with Trump. When stories come out, Teflon Don, as he was called in the 2016 election, they just bounced off of him. Uh, it's fake news. I'd never do it. And then the story would be over. If this is such, if if Biden has such a commanding lead, why is big tech tripping over itself to try and scrub this from any and all recollection of the internet? Which is ridiculous, by the way. But let's get back into this article from Joy Pullman from thefederalist.com here on the Barrett Brief on the Crusade Channel. In response to this this Hunter Biden email link drop expose, Jack Dorsey claimed Twitter had banned the link because it included private information, which I just read to you, that policy. The company claims these statements, one I just read, aim to provide clarity about its policies, but they actually make the tech giant seem even more duplicitous. They are retreating behind technicalities of their policy while continuing to allow links to be hacked, to hacked information, classified information, illegally released information, fake news, and debunked conspiracy theories proliferate on their platform. Due to the obvious selective bias employee in the major instances below, it is clear that Twitter's technically is a fig leaf to enable continued control of public discourse, which we've been saying why Section 230 reform, I'm out of the article here, why Section 230 reform must happen, and I'm done. And I'm done with the people, and I'll, I actually can't wait to talk to Daniel Savakis about this tomorrow. I'm done with the, free, the, the private platform free market argument. Parlor, Minds, MeWe, Happy-Go-Lucky, whatever other social media websites out there cannot compete and do not offer a viable alternative. You cannot say, well, let's go to Gab. Gab is great. I don't like the platform particularly. I don't like how it works, but that's because uh, the interface is a little honky for me. But that doesn't mean anything because a lot of people like it. Gab will never be any kind of uh, of competitive option. Neither will Parler. Neither will Minds. Neither will any of these sites. Twitter and Facebook have been chosen by politicians and the media to be the sources of, of distribution for their information. Hence, they should be regulated as such. They absolutely need to be regulated, and I'm done, and I'm tired of the people giving the free argument 
free market argument. Because we're getting the crap kicked out of us with it. I'm sorry. We are getting the crap kicked out of us by hiding behind this free market argument. They're laughing at you as they are beating you over the head with it. Section 230 needs to be amended. It needs to be taken away. I think Trump actually mentioned something like that earlier. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find the actual audio. But you can't sit here and, and hide behind Section 230 at this point. Because they're hiding behind their own technicalities and their own legalese language. As they continue to suppress, as they continue to manipulate the public discourse. It is not the town square. It's the town square where every conservative has been put in the galley or has been put in the uh, in the stocks and and um, and and gagged while everybody else is allowed to speak their minds. And they let one guy that they bully into get five minutes to speak who's a conservative. This is not equal footing in a supposed free society. It has to be amended. It has to be changed. Um, and we'll go through this. And I'm going to continue this article on the other side because this is the news today, folks. This is what's happening right now. Uh, this fight, this can of worms, some people said, because we played the uh, the audio at the top of the show, where Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, and others are going to be subpoena are going to put a subpoena out for Jack Dorsey, hopefully for uh, Zuckerberg as well, and bringing them to Washington to demand answers. Great first step. Needs to continue. And I, you know, you go, oh, you're not a conservative anymore, Rick. What about what happens when XYZ person gets into office? I don't care about XYZ person getting into office right now. I, I do not care about it because there is no way we can continue on this path by the, because I'll ask you this before I end the segment. You're happy with the way things are going now? You think this is a fair, um, a fair shot of an even playing field before you, you yell at me about how we need to keep it free. Look at how the free market is working for you. Your stuff is getting throttled, suppressed and banned while they're allowed to run around and speak all kinds of nonsense. It needs to change. We'll continue this on the other side of the uh, the break. You're listening to the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing.
All right, welcome back to the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. Coming to you from the Republic of Texas on this October 15th, 2020, it is your humble host, Captain Middle America Suffolk Barrett, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that will follow 844-527-8723, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, C-H-A-T, if you want to be a part of the conversation. Username, password, and email, and you're good to go. The segment of the program is brought to you by coffee, the delicious coffee you can get at MikeChurch.com forward slash shop. You can pick between the Crusade Capuchin Dark Roast Coffee or coffee from the Abbey Roast Company, which is from the Benedictine monks of Our Lady Guadalupe Monastery in Silver City, New Mexico. Either way, you'll be drinking delicious coffee and supporting private endeavors and not mainstream conglomerates. That's MikeChurch.com forward slash shop for the best coffee out there. MikeChurch.com forward slash shop. All right. So the big news today that we're seeing in real time is the the mistake, the moment that Twitter and Facebook and others have really crossed over the line in regards to trying to protect one political party. That political party obviously being the Democrats and this Hunter Biden expose from the New York Post that... Twitter had throttled yesterday, and then they were throttling another post today from the New York Post. And it didn't just extend to the New York Post. It extended out to anybody that shared that links to that story, one of them being the press secretary to the president, Ms. Kaylee McEnany, uh, who went on Hannity last night to explain what happened to her. We have the audio for that, it gets a little wonky uh, a couple seconds in. That's because apparently the press secretary needs to get better internet. Um, she needs to get better internet speeds. But whatever the case may be, the rest of it's pretty clear. You just have to, we have to kind of, you know, power through the first couple seconds. But here's the audio, Miss Kaylee, uh, Ms. Kaylee McEnany on Sean Hannity's show last night explaining what happened to her when she tried to share the New York Post story on Twitter. So you got locked out today. I really didn't understand from at Jack what he was trying to say, because if you if you share a conspiracy, you know, the Russia Trump conspiracy theory, I don't remember people getting locked out for those lies that we now know they shared then and even today still share. Yeah, that's exactly right. It made no sense what he said. And consider this, Sean, this was a news story emails, pictures of the emails, which even the Biden campaign does not dispute the authenticity of the emails. They had a chance today. They did not. Uh, but, but meanwhile, you're allowed a story about President Trump in the Atlantic, where you had more than 20 sources on the record disputing the content of the email. You have the Ayatollah of Iran death to Israel. Uh, and this is permitted on Twitter, uh, but not an email that is reported, by the way, by Fox News's news division and by the New York Post, a credible outlet. You are not allowed to share that information. And make no mistake, if they can ban the press secretary of the United States for President Trump, they can ban who is a citizen. And that is pathetic. That's a great point. Our own Adam Housley on his account has confirmed the authenticity of of that, uh, as have other media outlets that have been been reporting on the story. I hear there's a lot more to come. Do you know what's coming? 
I don't. Um, and it's not a temporary blockage. When I log onto my Twitter account, it says I'm permanently banned. They essentially have me at gunpoint and said, unless you delete a news story reported by the New York Post, I cannot regain to my account. This is censorship. It is not the American way. This is not how a freedom-loving democracy operates. And we have to hold Twitter accountable. And Facebook, too, is banning the transmission of the story simply because, ideologically, it hurts the side of, of the aisle that Silicon Valley prefers. It's sad. It's censorship. This is Yeah. Can we, can we all, like, crowdfund to get her better Wi-Fi? Because that's awful. I mean, I think I have better Wi-Fi, and I'm in the middle of the boonies. Either way, that was Kaylee McEnany, the press secretary to President Trump, on Sean Hannity's show last night, talking about how she was being censored, and I think she she did have her account reinstated uh, eventually. Why do we care about Twitter and Facebook, right? I've gone over and said only 2% of the population actually uses it. It's because it's the centers, Facebook and Twitter, are now the centers where information is distributed, is disseminated. Oh, we do. All right. Um, where's he? Where's it coming from? Or are we just gonna go to it? All right. Let's go to OAN right now. Listen to President Trump. Oh, I don't know what setup is. Look, they have the guy's laptop. Hey, Hunter was a disaster. Hunter didn't have a job. Hunter got thrown out of the military. You know why he got thrown out, okay? He was thrown out of the military. Didn't have a job. Didn't have anything. His father becomes VP. And then Hunter starts making millions and millions of dollars a year. And the father gets some of that, too. Okay, you check him out. Yeah, so we, uh, we're we here in President Trump. President Trump actually went on Varney earlier this morning, about 40 minutes ago. And he pretty much, he said that as well, talking about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who's at the center of this entire thing. The emails that were leaked connecting him to Ukraine or using his father, who was vice president at the time, to get him access or paying to play to get access to the VP. Uh, we also had President Trump on Varney this morning talking about the censorship angle. President Trump actually spoke out on it this morning, and uh, I think we have that audio as well. This is President Trump talking about Facebook and Twitter and their relationship to the Democratic Party and how they operate as far as being centers of distribution of information. It's out of control. And it's like a third arm, maybe a first arm, of the DNC. Twitter and Facebook, they're all, they're like, they're like, uh, really, it's, it's a massive campaign contribution. It, this is a third arm of the DNC, the radical left movement. It's out of control. All right, so um, there, there you go, folks. That's President Trump. Pretty, he's on. Uh, you would say he's on the warpath, but he's not. He's not playing around anymore, as far as saying maybe I'll do something. Who knows? Where he sends those tweets, where he's like, Section Two Thirty could be happening around the corner. And it looks like members of Congress. We we played a clip at the top of the show where Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Hawley, and Senator. Graham talked about they're going to subpoena Jack Dorsey next week. Looks like next Tuesday. Um, Kevin McCarthy, a, the GOP leader on the uh, in in the House at ten thirty six Eastern time this morning, tweeted out the biggest social networks are selectively censoring information. Yeah, we all get that. I get it. Let me get to the good part. 
And then he tweets, it's time to scrap their special protections under Section 230 and start over. That's a big deal because a lot of the time when this has come up in the past for the last couple of years and people like myself have said, get rid of Section 230, amend it, do whatever you got to do, fix it. We've gotten the pushback of, well, it's a private company and they, you know, they're only going after individuals. Now that they're going after legitimate outlets, right? The legitimate outlets like the New York Post. I'm not saying it's the most legitimate or most prestigious outlet, okay? But it does have a news division and it did authenticate the Biden emails. So for that story, it was legitimate. That's the problem. That's where Twitter and Facebook got too big for their bridges. Thinking they can just ban and suspend anybody. And now it comes to the point where President Trump is mentioning it's out of control. It's got to be done. Now you've got members on both sides and both chambers talking about bring Jack in. Let's start working on Section 230 uh, amendments or just getting rid of it, which I'm fine with either one. My argument, my counter argument to people who are saying, well, what happens when President Kamala Harris or President XYZ, President Ocasio-Cortez gets into office? They can use the same thing. They haven't done it to the phone companies. They haven't done it to them yet. And you can say that's apples to oranges, but once those regulations go into effect, they they should go into effect on both sides. But Section 230 and Big Tech need, Section 230 needs to be amended. Big Tech needs to be decimated. And is it a great solution? No, but it's better than sitting back at this point and saying, we'll just go somewhere else. Folks, Twitter and Facebook, as much as we all hate them, myself included, are the, the new digital town square it is where information is cited it is where information is shared you may not agree with me in that regard but folks that's what we're dealing with and when you're looking at the way things are um being done the way that twitter and hiding behind their uh, their little policy where they say, oh, well, the reason we don't do it, the reason we don't, the reason why we got rid of the New York Post article is because they, they prohibit the use of Twitter to distribute, and they put this out in a tweet yesterday, to distribute content obtained without authorization, and they don't want to incentivize hacking by allowing the Twitter platform to be used as distribution for possibly illegally obtained materials, Well, that didn't matter with President Trump's call with the Ukraine president or President Trump's tax returns or the Michael Flynn phone call or the Steele dossier that was used to set up all of Russiagate or Donald Trump Jr.'s WikiLeaks email or the Atlantic claims of Trump bad-mouthing the military or the Atlantic story about a shooting that never happened or the secretly recorded audio of Trump or the secretly secret recordings of Melania Trump that was released last week, or enabling attacks on public officials and right-leaning news le- uh, figures, and false major media smears of Nicholas Salmon. Anybody remember that? We had we had people smearing and using different ways 
to go after him, but yeah, we got to protect Sweet Hunter. Where did I get all those examples of? I'll put it in the chat, my crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Those are the 11 hacks, leaks, and hoaxes that Twitter and Facebook didn't throttle. I'll mention some of them again. Michael Flynn phone call. That wasn't, that was illegally obtained. Didn't get throttled. Donald Trump Jr.'s WikiLeaks emails. Wasn't throttled, wasn't suspended. The Atlantic, the Atlantic article where Trump supposedly called people losers and military members losers. Yeah, they didn't throttle that. It's one-sided. So when you when people look at me and say, well, you know, it's going to get used if you do Section 230, it's got to get done. The status quo is not working for us. I'm sorry, but you cannot sit back at this point and tell me things are working out or wait for it to get better. Are you going to wait for for a moment where Jack Dorsey stops his satanic worshiping, which he pretty much does, and then becomes a good guy and defender of the First Amendment and defending your right to express your opinion or see other things? I'm sorry. I'm not a big government guy, never a fan of government interference or regulations, but what is the alternative? Why don't you call me at 844-527-8723 or jump in the Crusader Stadium at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Tell me what's a better um, course that we take besides putting regulations on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media platforms. What is the alternative? Sit and wait for things to get better? Because I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. They are completely out of, they're out of pocket now. Facebook and Twitter and other social media. YouTube as well. They're now starting to say, we're going to ban people for this, that, and the other thing. You want to ban people? That's fine. It's time for you to be treated as a publisher and not a platform. Big difference between the two. Platform. Anybody can use it. Come on there. Put your stuff. Whatever. We're not responsible for anything because they were just a hosting site. Once you start banning and selectively editing, which is what they did with this New York Post story, they are selectively editing what can and cannot be seen you're now a publisher. You need to be held liable for everything. Oh, we'll change. Too late. Put the regulations on. Put the regulations on because it needs to be done. And once again, in the next segment of the program, call me. Tell me. Tell me what the other course of action is. Because we've waited We've tried to start alternative sites. None of them have picked up. Parlor was fun for like 15 seconds. And for those of you on Parlor, we still have an account there. We still post stuff there. What is the alternative? As long as the legacy media uses Twitter to disseminate information and has the conversation there, it has to be regulated as such. If you don't like, I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. But there are times when we actually have to deal with reality. And today's events and yesterday's events show us that. We'll continue this conversation on the Barrett Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing.
This Corona hoax summer, the good old farmer's tan has given way to the useful idiot's tan. You know, the one that runs across your eyeballs from wearing that ridiculous coffee filter strapped across your face. Here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing, coming to you from the Republic of Texas on this October 15, 2020. It is your humble host, Captain Middle America, Zofric Barrett, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that'll follow 844-527-8723, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat C. H-A-T, username, password, email, you're good to go. A little quiet in there right now. It is lunchtime, so I'm all right with that. Uh, but if, when, if you want, jump in there. Try to liven it up a little bit. Coming up in this segment of the program, we're continuing to keep our eyes on what's going on uh, in Washington in regards to the censorship that Facebook and Twitter have been doing for a while, but finally, it seems, not finally, but at least this time, right? We have to put it that way. This time, we may be seeing a difference in approach to what they are doing, big tech, considering they went after the New York Post for publishing verified emails uh, about Hunter Biden and this Hunter Biden scandal. Of course, as I've been saying, real strange that they got to do this much cover for a guy who's supposedly 16 points ahead in national election polls. So that should tell you something. But we heard from uh, the leaders in the House, Kevin McCarthy, saying that Section 230 of the Telecommunications Act needs to be scrapped. Uh, or you, we, we played at the top of the show, Ted Cruz, Senator Hawley, uh, and, and Senator Graham talking about how they're going to subpoena Jack Dorsey and hopefully Mark Zuckerberg and bring them to Washington sometime next week. President Trump is out there saying this is, this is ridiculous. They're out of control. Hopefully, and I'm I'm officially gone on the record saying we need to get we need to have Section 230 uh, reform. Whether that's banning it, scrapping it, reinterpreting it, whatever the case may be, it needs to be done because at this point it is a, it is not equal playing ground for you know conservatives versus liberals. And uh, we'll, you're going to have the discussion. Let me know if you agree with me or not. 844-527-8723 or crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Really, what's going to put this in a, uh, into a, this could potentially be a problem for big tech, is that when they're banning individuals like Owen Benjamin's, Owen Benjamin, Alex Jones, Brother Alexis Bognolo, and others, it's not direct campaign interference, 
right? It's along the lines of like QAnon, conspiracy theories, hate speech. It's real hard to, to pin any of those things on the New York Post when it's just reporting what has really been known for a while. As Mike Church of the Mike Church Show reported back in February, once again, ahead uh, of the curve. So we'll see where it goes from there. And, of course, people are saying, well, nobody's stopping you from going to the New York Post. The problem is, why should the New York Post be denied access to a platform like Twitter when Twitter in the past has not enforced their policy of of blocking URLs to quote-unquote hacked material? The easiest example is President Trump's tax records that were talked about, what, three weeks ago. That President Trump did not give those up. Those were leaked. Those that was unauthorized information. So the way that the media class, the media class needs to understand that if the the GOP grows a spine for once, this is going to affect them just as much because they use Twitter to to promote wild conspiracy theories like RussiaGate. And that's how it gains traction. If Twitter and Facebook really do get shut down, and I think, I think the 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 legacy media doesn't understand what will happen if there are some regulations or if Section Two Thirty is scrapped, because Twitter and Facebook will not look the way they do now. It will look extremely different. But we'll have to take, we're going to have to wait and see if, if the GOP actually can grow a spine. They're, they are not absolved because they had three years from 2016 on to do something. And Trump mentioned some stuff here and there and he put out an executive order and he did some things all around. But nothing ever happened. And of course, Republicans in in Congress never understood really social media, so they didn't understand the impact that was taking place with the throttling, with the censorship, with the bans. And they're starting to finally figure that out. So we're keeping our eye on it. Right now, it doesn't look like anything else is is really coming up or really being um, discussed. Kind of went fast and furious for a little while. And uh, now we are kind of just waiting for the rest of it. So we'll see what goes from there. In the meantime, we're going to go to the Acting All Crusadery blog because we got some stories there that I put up this morning that I hope you guys are checking out. First headline we have, and before we get to the Acting All Crusadery blog, uh, I want to talk about this segment's sponsor, which is the Amazing Rosaries you can get. At MikeChurch.com forward slash shop the little bayou rosary home of handmade lifetime uh, backed rosaries. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about other rosary companies and other people that make rosaries. They're they're fine. I've had I had some before the little bayou rosary started making theirs. But the the level of detail and the level of uniqueness, if there is such a way to say that, 
is unparalleled from the Little Bayou Rosary. We still have, and I don't know why, I, I am seriously trying to figure out why the light turquoise with Dove's Rosary or the natural gray stone rosary or the football rosary for children or the baseball rosary or the transparent and gold rosary. Why any of these are still available. They're gorgeous looking rosaries. Uh, Ms. Maggie O'Connell and the Little Bayou Rosary, the artisans there will, will guarantee them, lifetime guarantee on them. And they're just one of a kind, battle tested and ready to be used. You can get them at MikeChurch.com forward slash shop. They're at the top of the page, the Little Bayou Rosary. MikeChurch.com forward slash shop. S-H-O-P. Check it out today. All right. So what we have uh, here at the Little Bayou Rosary, we have a collection of other stories. We're going to keep our eye on the breaking news. It doesn't look like anything is happening with the Amy Coney Barrett um, confirmation hearings because that's been adjourned. Uh, so we're just waiting till next week when they hold their vote. Of course, a lot of them, uh, a lot of people, myself included, when I say a lot, it's really just a very few, are waiting to see if this gap between today and I believe next Thursday, the 22nd, uh, uh, offhand, I believe that's when it's going to take place. If that's going to be used to drudge up information to smear the nominee, one Amy Barrett. Because I don't think they can get anything on her to make her step down or anything of that nature. I think that's a lost cause. What I believe the course of action will be from the left will be to Kavanaugh her. And that's not... um, That's not you know, dragging something out and saying, well, it's going to be some kind of crazy nonsense. No, no, no. I'm talking about the fact that they're going to want to hook something, attach something to her to limit her credibility, right? Brett Kavanaugh is going to have to carry the sexual assault allegations, despite the fact that they're hideously untrue for the rest of the time. For the rest of his time, and it's going to be um, mentioned in his biography, right? The first, the first, uh, first thing that'll be mentioned in his paragraph will be that he was accused of this. I believe they're going to be looking for something to attach to Amy Coney Barrett. They're looking for something they can attach to her. To delegitimize her even just a little bit, right? Even just a little bit. That's what this whole thing is, is we have to look out for in the next week. What is going to be brought up to try and push the nomination vote past November 3rd, which is what they need to do? Or if there's something they can attach to her permanently. To I mean, to us, it doesn't delegitimize her but it's another thing that Roberts has to con- take into consideration on his court because we all know he values how his court is viewed more than the measure of the law itself. So we'll take a look. Uh, we'll, we'll keep our eye on it. I don't think anything's going to happen today. Expect it to happen maybe Saturday night, maybe Monday morning, however that goes.
But that being said, we're keeping our eye on that. We're keeping our eye on what's going on in Washington, D.C. and on both Facebook and Twitter, which you can follow the um, you can follow us at Veritas Radio Net on Twitter or you can follow the Crusade channel on Facebook. All right. First story we have from the Acting All Crusadery blog from the Associated Press. U.S. warned Nevada not to use Chinese COVID tests from the UAE. I know there's a lot going on in there. But U.S. diplomats and security officials privately warned the state of Nevada not to use Chinese-made COVID test kits donated by the United Arab Emirates over concerns about patient privacy, test accuracy, and the Chinese government involvement. Documents were obtained by the Associated Press. Documents illustrate how the U.S. government actively, if quietly, tried to keep the state out of the project involving the Chinese firm BGI Group, which is the world's largest genetic sequencing company, which has expanded its reach during the coronavirus, quote-unquote, pandemic. So apparently we're seeing that there are issues with privacy concerns with a company linked to China, right? That's, uh, that's not a shock, is it? It's not a real shock. All right. So we have that. You can read the rest of the story at the Acting All Crusadery blog at crusadechannel.com. Hit the Crusader blog link. The next story we have up there that I want you to go and read is in the world of business. The first one dealt with COVID. Second one deals with the area of business. United Airlines loses $1.8 billion, aims to shift focus to recovery. I actually have up the mind right now after... Was it easy? No. Was it enjoyable? Most of it. After driving to New Hampshire and back uh, for the St. Benedict Center Conference, especially in Crusader 1, that I'm of the mind that I'm fine with the airline industry burning to the ground and having to be rebooted. It's absolutely a mess right now. There's no way the airline industry can and should Come back from this. It needs to be ripped apart. It needs to be allowed to collapse in on itself. And I think it should lose as much as it needs to. Now, will people lose their jobs? Yes, it will. Is is that terrible? Absolutely. I'm never a fan of people losing jobs and or or having to struggle. Not my thing. But the industry in itself is broken. The industry, the airline industry is broken and it is in need of a major reset. I hope there is no more bailout money that is given to the airlines. And I hope this forces them to adopt different policies, different changes, maybe maybe get more diversity of options on there. Right now it's American, United, Delta, Southwest, and then a bunch of crappy budget airlines. So hopefully this continue continuation of losing money will force the airlines to reset. But the article from the Associated Press as well, United Airlines financing financial hole grew deeper over the summer as a modest recovery in air travel slowed down, pushing the carrier to a loss of $1.84 billion in the typically strong third quarter. The airline said Wednesday 
That revenue plummeted 78% from a year earlier. Well, people were ready to travel again. I've traveled to Vegas. I've traveled to New Hampshire. I've traveled to two different places in the last couple of months. The problem is when we traveled to Vegas, we had to, we were subject to ridiculous mass restrictions, um, very lackadaisical uh, service on airlines. They give you a little baggie. <laughs> they give you a little baggie with some things on it. And then overall, flying was a miserable experience before COVID, but it's even more miserable now. So people wanted to get back in the air on the airlines. People wanted to start traveling again, but the airlines made it impossible with all these Karen restrictions. So, of course, now we're seeing suffering in that area. And that's just a cause and effect. Let's see. We're going to a little bit more of the article, which you can read at the Acting All Crusadery blog at crusadechannel.com. You can read the rest of it for yourself and find out the financial details. We also have an article talking about Facebook and Twitter limiting the New York Post story if you want to get a, a more information on it. And then finally, some data, not data from Star Trek, but data from Gallup.com. Americans' readiness to get the COVID-19 vaccine has fallen to 50%. Now, Americans' willingness to be vaccinated against coronavirus-19 has dropped 11 percentage points, falling to 50%. In late September, this sharp decline comes after the percentage dwindled from 66% in July to 61% in August. So more and more people are starting to realize that a vaccine, and ha let's be real, as we get into more and more of the data, a lot of this drop is from Democrats because Republicans were not really ready to take it to begin with. But we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Meanwhile, according to the Gallup panel data from August 17th through the 30th, percentage of Americans who are inclined to delay returning to their normal life activities until a vaccine is available has now reached a new high of 26%. Roughly the same percentage of Americans, 27%, say they are ready to resume their normal activities right now, matching the average since April. Nearly half are waiting for fewer COVID-19 cases in their state. Good luck because they're running around shoving uh, swabs up everybody's nose. Now, it's getting so ridiculous that my local news had to highlight that Texas has the highest amount of quote-unquote pet COVID-19 cases. That's going to be like the sixth wave. Now that everybody has COVID, what about your kitty cat? News at 11 because your cat has COVID, right? They're just going to keep pumping out random tests of things. But back into this article, the data in Americans' readiness to be vaccined uh, obscures divergent trends among party groups, with Republicans showing increased willingness to be vaccinated, ugh, but Democrats and independents showing a decrease uh, in comfort levels. When I say increase, there's a 10 percentage uh, point increase from August 17th to now it's up from 37 percent to 47 percent. Democrats went from, in August, 78% down to 53%. We know why Democrats don't want to take a vaccine. Because of the Trump. They don't want to take the Trump vaccine, right? Like, the Trump vaccine is laced with MAGA, MAGA DNA. 
that's going to turn everybody into a conservative or a racist or something of that nature, which is fine. More people don't want don't want to take the vaccine, the better it is for me. And me and you, people who don't want to take the vaccine. So that's great that we're seeing more and more people dropping it. The highest group, obviously, uh, that want that is willing to take this is young people because young people are dumb, right? They're just stupid. Sorry if you're a young person listening to my show. Obviously, you are not dumb because you realize the excellence of this program. But uh, your peers, all idiots, all stupid idiots. And that's uh, that's the stories that we have at the Acting All Crusadery blog. Please uh, mark it, bookmark it, dude. Uh, make it one of the places you start your day with. Well, you drink your cup of Crusade Capuchin Dark Roast Coffee or Abbey Roast Coffee, either the black and white blend or, or the Brazilian blend or others. And that's the Acting All Crusader vlog. Coming up next, I have a story that comes to, from the American Thinker talking about is the drop, the crash, the crash in NBA ratings, which they did. They plummeted. By the way, the NBA Finals ended, and I don't think anybody really cares about it. But is that indicative of a Trump landslide? We're going to look at that, and we're going to keep our eye to to, uh, breaking news. You're listening to the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. Channel, the last live radio station standing. Coming to you from the Republic of Texas on this October 15, 2020. It is your humble host, Captain Middle America himself, Rick Barrett, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that'll follow 844-527-8723, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, C-H-A-T. A little bit of activity in there. Glad to see you all hanging out. Hope you're having a good time. Before I get into it, I have some. I'm, I'm going to talk about something that's happening in real time on Twitter. There is a, a story trending in regards to tonight's dueling town halls, and I keep saying it. I don't know why Trump walks into these traps with NBC, ABC. Why he plays ball with the legacy media at this point is beyond me. Uh, he should have learned by now that it's a no-win situation. But I'll talk about that in a moment. But first, I want to talk about this segment sponsor, StingerUSA.com. Uh, I just actually received an email from uh, Ernest, who is the the owner of StingerUSA.com. Uh, as we were kind of calling Mr. Stingerman uh, this weekend up at the St. Benedict Center. I do want to apologize, uh, sir, for taking out your knees at the beginning of the, the uh, low mass on Sunday. Uh, it was my first low mass, and they did a genuflect, and I kind of panicked and dropped the... Uh, 
the kneeler on his knee. <laughs> so I apologize, sir, for doing that. It was not intentional. Um, I kind of didn't know what to do, but I enjoyed the low mass. It was my first low mass ever. And uh, my wife and I are anxious to go to the ones that are going to be in Killeen uh, coming up soon. Either way, I just received an, an email from uh, Ernest at SingerUSA.com. And um, he told me, he told me, folks, and I'm telling you, because I'm excited about this at StingerUSA.com, S-T-N-G-R-U-S-A.com. They now have, for my fellow gun people, my gun people, listen up, they now have Axiom Red red Dots at StingerUSA.com. Red dots are, are, it's a, uh, it's a event, essentially it's a scope, but it's just a, it's an optic with a red dot. I love red dots. Um, and now they are selling them at stingerusa.com, the Axiom Red Dot site. Super pumped about that. I'm dropping it in the chat room right now. Check it out at stingerusa.com, uh, and use the promo code crusade at checkout for an exclusive crusader listener discount right now i'm i'm breaking some news for my crusade listeners and for my fellow gun people out there stingerusa.com now has axiom red dots which are amazing optics check them out at stingerusa.com or jump into the chat room i dropped the link in there stingerusa.com take a look at these beautiful axiom red dots that they have from uh, for at StingerUSA.com, and uh, really, really proud to be associated with a brand like Stinger, like McClure Tables with Todd McClure, Bulldog Kia, and others who we do business with. So please do business with those who do business with us. StingerUSA.com, StingerUSA.com. Now, uh, a a home of Axiom Red Dot sites. Awesome, awesome optics. Check it out. So when President Trump, uh, they say he dropped out of the bait. He just he wasn't going to do a virtual debate with Joe Biden, which I agree with, which was a very, very wise move. Um, of course, it's now being painted that he didn't. Uh, he dropped out because he's a coward, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. So from Variety.com. There's over, now, let me get through it. I know it's not a big deal to you and me, but this is what's happening right now. Over 100 people, uh, thank you Wolfgang Alpha for your super chat or your your $20 donation in the chat room at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, C-H-A-T. You are awesome, sir. Thank you. Uh, But apparently a group of about 100 Hollywood actors, directors, producers, and showrunners have sent a petition to NBC Universal and Comcast protesting the fact that they're holding a town hall with Trump opposite Joe Biden's town hall tonight. Which, who cares what these people think? Like, Joe Biden owns the debate time? They can't have any other programming? But now it's also trending on Twitter, which you can follow me, Bear Brief, B-A-R-R-E-T-T, or the Crusade Channel at Veritas Radio Net. Uh, it is a trending hashtag of NBC Blackout. Apparently it's trending number two 
in the U.S. right now because, oh, Trump refused to participate in the virtual debate. So now he's being a coward and going on air to counter program Vice President Biden. And of course, the people who are throwing this fit, like Conan O'Brien, the supposed Catholic Conan O'Brien, J.J. Abrams, that little squirmy brat, Aaron Sorkin, and uh, pretty much the cast of Seinfeld are all throwing a hissy fit because apparently NBC is allowing Trump to counter-program Joe Biden. And and this is why I don't know why Trump does this. Trump is a smarter than man than I am uh, in a lot of respects, but I don't know why he does this. Don't go to legacy media outlets. There's actually calls from a New York Times reporter. I know it's a little hypocritical or um, uh, oxymoronic to say uh, New York Times reporter. But still, this is from Ben Smith, who is a New York Times media consultant, tweeted out 37 minutes ago. There's enormous pressure on NBC right now to make this thing a nightmare for President Trump. So why are they, why does he do this? Why does he go on these programs? There's absolutely no reason for it. He should go to, oh, One American News, Fox News, or just broadcast it on YouTube. Broadcast a town hall or go on Periscope and take questions. You can filter out, you can have moderators, right? If President Trump was tech savvy, Host it on YouTube and take super chats for the do- for the campaign, right? Use it as a fundraiser. But this continued idea that um, he goes on these legacy media platforms that hate him, that actively hate him, and he's still going to get a fair shake out of this. But that's what's happening in real time. We're having, you know, celebrities, quote unquote, and other people like uh, and other people associated with NBC and Universal and Com- or NBC Universal and Comcast to either move the town hall from uh, counter programming from Joe Biden or to just make Trump's life miserable while he goes on it. And I don't know why, once again, he goes on these. I'll give you an update from the Amy Coney Barrett hearing. Uh, The hearing portion is done. The Senate Judiciary Committee votes on the 22nd. Mitch brings it to the floor on the 23rd and expect a confirmation vote on the 26th, which fits with the timeline that I have been given, where I first saw, um, where they expect... Amy Coney Barrett to be on the court by Halloween. Right? That's that is the that was the goal in the timeline to get Amy Coney Barrett on the court by the 31st. Have her on there before Halloween uh comes and goes. So it looks like they're pretty much on track for that. So we'll see uh We'll see how it goes from there. But that's what's happening right now. We have uh, uh, entertainment pushback to get Trump off of his town hall tonight, which um, NBC would be stupid to listen to these people because Trump will outdraw all of these shows combined with one town hall appearance, which is why NBC took it. 
And secondly, the everything with the confirmation is done. The hearing portion is done with the Amy Coney Barrett hearing. Now we are just waiting until the 22nd when we're going to get the committee vote. And then on the 23rd, it's brought to the Senate floor. You're listening to the Barrett Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing, always on air, always online at crusadechannel.com. Now, I have this story I'm going to talk about in the next segment of the program, how the AMC bankruptcy, which is going to take place by the end of this year, AMC theaters will go bankrupt, running out of money, how that affects you, um, and what the course of action will go from there, speaking of entertainment companies. But... This story from the American thinkers Mark uh, Deschul. Crashing NBA ratings predict Trump win. The NBA finals between the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers began on September 29th and have been the least watched NBA finals ever. That includes last year when a team was from Canada. The average numbers of viewers for this year's first three games is 5.3 million, which is a stunning drop of 61%. Although the number of viewers inched up to 5.6 million for the final game six, which was won by LeBron, uh, glorious LeBron James of, of China and the Lakers and the Beijing Lakers, that is a dismal performance compared to last year's championship game, which drew 18.34 million viewers. While the NBA Finals viewership has been falling for the last few years, what's new this year is the extent which the NBA allowed itself to be hijacked by Black Little Lives Matter. Because of COVID-19, the NBA suspended the season in March and resumed play in August, which they're going to say, I'm out of the article, they're going to argue that Oh, well, it was the NFL, the NBA, and all. No, 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 no. NFL's down 10%, it looks like, year over last. Major League Baseball is at 10% as well. Um, they're down, but they're not down 60%, especially in their premier event. When more than 61% of the NBA fans decide to tune out the NBA, the result, this, the result is millions of people acting together in concert. Sending a message they are pushing back against social justice posturing seen on the court and heard from players like LeBron James. In a way, the respondent of these NBA fans can be viewed as a poll where fans are proclaiming their opinion on a highly charged sentiment of today's heated political environment. What's unique and remarkable is that this is a poll of people in action, not just people telling a pollster on a phone call something they may or may not really believe. For the most part, polls today seem to be more about shaping public opinion and reporting it. How refreshing to have a poll that cannot be manipulated towards a certain outcome. The NBA ratings crash is a signal that a substantial number of fans, many of whom also happen to be voters, are completely fed up with the daily haranguing of being told that they are deplorable and racist and that their guilt for being such terrible people will simply not be allowed to go away. These fans are telling America... That when given the opportunity, they will act to preserve to prevent America from sliding any farther towards a grievance-based society. Significantly before the NBA rating crash, 45% of the v NBA viewers were black. Yes, America is not perfect, but we all need to continue to work together. Blah, 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 blah. The next opportunity for NBA fans to act arrives on election day. 
Donald Trump is campaigning, while Joe Biden seems to be focusing on appeasing left-wing agenda. The NBA fans, who have already chosen action once to express their disapproval of Black Lives Matter, will act again to defend America from other from Black Lives Matter and other socialist policies as well. So what uh, Mark here is equating, he's saying that, listen, the crash or the rejection of the, of made, of, of the National Basketball Association by a majority of the fans, because 45% are black, 65% will be white, right? Or other. That 65% will show its displeasure on election day. I don't know if I'm going to make a straight comparison like he will, but if Biden continues to to promote the Black Lives Matter social justice messaging and President Trump seems to be the only one, of course, it looks like others after today are starting to join him in that way. The only one pushing back against it, most Americans would be in favor of supporting the candidate that is against all the social justice narrative nonsense as opposed to being for it. So that's that is that article coming up next. I'm going to continue talking about AMC, its collapse, what the theater industry will look like a year from now, even six months from now. It's going to be drastically different. And then we have our virtue of the week. And after that, the world famous. You've got to be kidding me. All of that is coming up here on the Barrett Brief on the Crusade channel. Always on air, always online at crusadechannel.com. The last live radio station standing. October 15th, 1946. In Nuremberg, Germany, former Nazi Air Force Chief Hermann Goering commits suicide behind bars. Goering takes poison just hours before his scheduled execution as a convicted war criminal for his role during World War II. 1917. During World War I, a French firing squad outside Paris executes the Dutch dancer Matahari, convicted of spying for the Germans. 1964. A changing of the guard at the Kremlin, as it's announced that Nikita Khrushchev has been removed as leader of what's then the Soviet Union. Alexei Kosygin becomes the new Soviet premier, while Leonid Brezhnev replaces Khrushchev as Communist Party chief. And 1951. I Love Lucy, the classic TV sitcom starring Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, premieres on CBS. Today in History, October 15th, Tim McGuire, the Associated Press. You're listening to the Bear Brief here on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing coming to you from the Republic of Texas on this October 15, 2020. It is your humble host, 
Captain Middle America himself, Rick Bear, bringing you the news of the day and the narrative that'll follow 844-527-8723, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. C-H-A-T, get in there because we're uh, we're right about uh, to start. We aren't, we're not there yet. Trump's still, you know, walking around doing all this stuff. Um, he, of uh, carrying Trump's rally in Greenville, North Carolina, when that thing officially kicks off, we'll, we'll kick it over to that because the Crusade Channel is your exclusive home of all President Trump's rallies. So definitely stay here on the Crusade Channel when that kicks off. We will break into it and you will hear the the speech from President Trump in all its amazing glory. What will he say today? How many people will he threaten to kiss? Will he throw masks out? Will he guerrilla press one of his so Secret Service guys? We don't know. You're going to have to tune in to listen during the speech when we carry it live here on the Crusade Channel. Uh, the last live radio station, and your home for all President Trump's campaign rallies in 2020. As we near the end, it's definitely, uh, definitely something you should be tuning into. I do have a, a report here coming out of WTVM in Columbus, Georgia. We have a bomb threat reported at the Columbus Governor uh, Government Center. Uh, this was just reported. The Columbus, Georgia bomb threat reported at Columbus Government Center. Let's see here. A bomb threat was reported Center Thursday. They have not updated it, but yet that's what we are looking at right now. That's a little bit of breaking news there. We are also keeping our eye on what's going on social media wise. I'd expect President Trump to go pretty hard on Joe Biden, Ukraine gate. And uh, pretty much the legacy media and social media as well. It'll be interesting to hear what President Trump has to say in regards to all of that uh, in his first public appearance post what happened um, yesterday with the censoring of the New York Post and then his press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, and others and, and the response from... The Republican senators in Congress and Republican leaders in the House as well. What's going to go on with all of that? Stay tuned here. So when the crusade jumps out, we will talk about it. Uh, let me talk quickly about this article from The Motley Fool. What would an AMC bankruptcy mean to you? This is by Rick Morantz of The Motley Fool. The race against time for AMC Holdings. Uh, is begun. The multiplex operator warned earlier this week it could run out of money by the end of the year. Only a bounce in attendance or a fresh infusion of cash can save the day at this point. And with the announcement, yeah, over the weekend that Disney, or actually earlier in the week, that Disney is now going to focus more of its efforts on streaming and other companies, um curtailing their their box office runs, pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, in conjunction with California and New York not opening theaters at all, because even though they only represent 17% of the footprint for AMC, it's 24% essentially of the, uh, the, the, the population, the attendance it makes up. So we're going to have to 
Uh, they're going to have to take a look at that. But there's, there is not going to be a fresh infusion of cash. Nobody's going to take a chance on the, the entertainment industry, especially, especially since there's no, there's no reason for it. Or there's no there's no um, return. There's no ROI for that. By Tuesday night, sources were telling Bloomberg that AMC was considering potential bankruptcy filing, which CEO Aaron Adam Aaron wouldn't go on to deny. The only contingency plan on the table is raising additional capital through an equity offering. The situation isn't pretty, but this necessarily isn't necessarily the end of the company's largest multiplex operator. However, after 100 years of entertaining, uh, this is shaping up to be AMC's most daunting challenge. What's going to happen within six months is AMC is going to file bankruptcy and AMC is going to have to, I repeat, they're going to have to sell off almost half of their shares. There's no other way of doing this or half of their theaters. They, I don't believe they'll go away. I don't believe they'll go away at all, but I do believe, I do believe this, that um, AMC's footprint will shrink dramatically, focusing only on urban centers and in in high population areas, sticking more to cities at this point, especially with Disney and other companies focusing on shifting theirs. To, to their streaming platforms where they make more money anyway. It's not a good look for AMC or for the, the theater industry in general, only because without any kind... Because we read in, our, in the bottom of the second hour, 26% of people, 26% of respondents are not ready to go back to quote-unquote normal activities until after a vaccine is found. We don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know when that's going to be. So until then, AMC, Regal, a lot of these major chains that have been operating on thin margins to begin with, they're all going to be in huge trouble, if not uh, completely bankrupt, which it sounds like AMC is trying to put on a brave face right now, but it doesn't look like it's going to be anything positive going forward black widow was moved to 2021 everything's moved to 2021 but if doesn't don't don't be surprised if you see major films go to streaming because well actually no there isn't a backup because most films aren't being there's no filming going on right now so i they're more than happy to sit on these the 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 uh, the producers, which is not it, the film studios, don't have to worry. They're still making money and content from other things. They're still making money and content from other things. So although they will be losing a little bit of money from not having theaters operational, they can hold out to either some kind of vaccine or some kind of opening happens, or they just say, forget it. And they just move on to putting all their stuff on streaming. They'll take a couple years of brutal returns to train people. Well, it'll only take a year or two to train. I mean, look how quickly it took people to train people to stay home. 
So it wouldn't take them that long to actually train people into staying at home and ordering their films from their Roku's or their Apple TV's or from Disney Plus or from whatever. So it's not a good look for the entertainment industry that Regal has rolled up the tent, rolled up and and shut everything down for 2020. Mothballing theaters essentially. And AMC is operating at a huge loss to the point where they're going to be bankrupt by the end of 2020, probably majorly restructured restructured by the middle of 2021. So the film industry, as you know it, is done. It's dead. It's not coming back. Smaller theaters, they'll be fine. Smaller footprints, not as much overhead. But AMC was in the midst of a huge revitalization when this whole thing hit, and they did not have money to burn. All right, let's take a look here at what's going on. Let's talk about our virtue of the week, which is gratitude. First Corinthians, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you would not that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? First Corinthians 4 7. Gratitude is a difficult virtue to talk about here in American society because we're not really, I don't know, trained to think about it. Not really emphasized to be grateful or thankful. People talk a good game, right? People talk, I'm so grateful for all I have. But if you're grateful, why are you trying to get more? You can't be in a society that seeks to constantly absorb and obtain more and more and more greed and be grateful for what you have. Usually people only become grateful for things when times get difficult. Well, I'm grateful that we still have this, or I'm grateful that we still have that. You can't pick the worst times to be thankful. You can't pick those times where you didn't get into an accident, right, on the road. Or you didn't get fired from your job when you made a huge mistake. Oh, thank you, God, for for that. Treating our Lord more like a genie than anything else when you do that. I have this book. Uh, I have to, I'll get it tomorrow. Prayer book. I think it's men's prayer book. Men's Catholic prayer book. One of the prayers dead in the middle of it is grateful. Being grateful. Have you thanked God for your family? Have you thanked God for your kids? For your parents if they're still alive? For your brothers and sisters? For your friends? Because we only seem to go to God when we need something. Oh God, please don't let me you know, get fired. Or please let me pass this test. But we don't thank God for the normal days, right? We don't thank God for normal days. Or we're just waking up, right, men? Do we ever thank God for just being able to wake up? It's hard. (laughs) If you're getting up early in the morning and you're tired, it's real hard to do the first thing, to be thankful to God for it. To be... To be thankful for the opportunity for another day as you're stumbling around in the dark and kick uh, your bedpost and you stub your toe. 
Yeah, that's right. First in the chat room. You'll never see a more religious group of people than kids during uh, finals week, right? Oh, Lord, please let me pass this exam. And as soon as they do, what do they do? They all run out and engage in debauchery. <laughs> Thank you! But the... Um, the idea of being grateful is in, it also measures up to what? It's in concert with what? Humility. To understand the things you need to be grateful for, gentlemen, you have to be humble. Yes, the toe stub is standard man things. How many times I've stubbed my toe when I can't even tell you. Um... But you have to have other virtues. You have to make sure other virtues are working well before you. You can't just jump into gratitude because you don't know. Ah, well, thank you, God, for, you know, or grace when you fly through. Amen. Let's get the food. That's an act of gratitude, right? Just the simple prayer of grace. We have to work on these things, gentlemen. Because when we are grateful, we can be leaders. When we're grateful, we can reflect. Because it's very easy to get lost in the sea of um, of depression, of misery, of despair. Ah, oh, what are we gonna do about that? What are we gonna do about that? Oh my gosh, what if what if Biden gets elected? What if this? What if that? You get lost in the misery. When instead you should be grateful for every breath that you get to breathe in. Because nothing is guaranteed. You are not promised tomorrow. You're not promised this afternoon. So to be grateful for the moments you get. And I know, it, you know, you're going to turn it. I'm not expecting you to turn to one of those people at the airport. Oh, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah, I'm not expecting that. But you have moments during the day, gentlemen, quiet moments of reflection, whether it be in your car or at home. Grace is one of them before you go to bed. If everybody else goes to bed before you and you're by and it's quiet in the house, it's a moment to be take some reflection. Be grateful. Like I said in the morning, be grateful. It's a difficult virtue, but it's a very easy virtue. It's an easy virtue to, once you get it lined up, to be grateful for things. And so we need to cultivate the the virtue of gratitude. Because if not, you're just going to be miserable. Being grateful also keeps you from becoming a miserable, you know what, <laughs> Jerk. How about that? So let's let's take time to be grateful. Even for that boss you don't like. Or that employee you can't stand. Find ways to be grateful for everything. It's a good, it's a good virtue. It's gonna give you a little, it's gonna give you a better outlook. 
All right, it's time for the world famous You've Got to Be Kidding Me, where I dredge the depths of the internet to find stories that are so ridiculous they'll have you saying. You've got to be kidding me. Let's go to UPI's Ben Hooper. Actually, no, somebody knew. UPI Summer broke on. Did they fire? Did they fire Ben Hooper? Because that might just rock my world. I don't know if I can handle that. Anyway. From Summer Brokaw of UPI.com, Zamboni bursts into flames at New York ice rink. A Zamboni was caught on camera bursting into flames at an ice rink in New York while the driver rode it. The incident occurred Wednesday during a youth hockey practice, according to the sources. While the driver was using the Zamboni to clean the ice rink at Bill Gray's Regional Iceplex in Rochester, New York. Rochester Fire Department Lieutenant Ryan Fleming said nobody was hurt, including the driver, who continued driving the machine off the rink to a maintenance area while it was on fire, and a couple youth hockey players who were on the rink at the time. Good for that guy. That's dedication. If I'm on a Zamboni and that thing blows up, I'm getting out of there. Right? I'm out. I'm not trying to get that thing back to any kind of maintenance area. I'm diving like Jack Bauer off of that thing. Uh, The incident, which has over half a million views on the social medias, was sparked by leaking hydraulic fluid that came into contact with hot components of the vehicle's underside, which is ironic because it was like on an ice rink, right? That's kind of funny. Fleming said the Zamboni driver put the fire out himself after he got to the maintenance area. This guy, I want to have a beer with this guy. He's an upstate New Yorker, though. This stuff doesn't, I guarantee you this stuff doesn't uh, phase him. So, yeah, I was driving that Zamboni. It caught on fire. And you know what I did? I parked it. And then I put it out because I'm a real dude. I didn't freak out like some of you people. Uh, Let's see. When we responded and we got there, we helped him get the Zamboni outside and made sure the fire was completely out. Which I'm sure he looked at the fire department and was like, hey, about time you guys got here. I had to put this fire out. Now, that's what I call fire... And ice. Seriously. You gotta be kidding me. Apparently I am killing careers. If I, if I focus on you too long enough, like significant digits, man, I'm still hurting from the fact significant digits is gone. Never to return. Bunch of jerks. Then again, the last one that was there was pretty awful, so maybe it, was, maybe it needed to die a slow death. And I hope Ben Hooper doesn't go away. Where am I going to get my stupid news from? And not stupid news. Like, ridiculous news. Seriously, though, you got to be kidding me. All right, folks, I want to talk to you real quick before this show ends about the amazing books you can get at MikeChurch.com forward slash shop. Everything from Is Davis a Traitor to all the books by Joseph Pierce, like The Quest for Shakespeare, Two books by Dr. Carrie Gress, uh, like the Marion Option, and more. If you're looking for a particular subject, I'm pretty sure Mike Church of the Mike Church Show, who is the owner of the Founders Trading Post, has it for you. So check it out at MikeChurch.com forward slash shop. S-H-O-P, the best kept secret on the internet, which is the bookstore at mikechurch.com forward slash shop. 
And definitely stay tuned. We will be going to President Trump's speech momentarily uh, here on the Crusade Channel, which is your home for all of President Trump's speech for the remain the remainder of the 2020 campaign season. Because he's out and about. He's going all over the place. So stay tuned here for live uninterrupted coverage, which is what I need to stress. Uninterrupted coverage of Donald Trump's rallies. Because everybody has coverage, but they cut away at strategic times. None of that here. We don't cut away. We stay up and through the end of it. So you definitely want to check out and stay here on the Crusade Channel. Well, you've been briefed here on the Bear Brief on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. Coming to you from the Republic of Texas on this October 15, 2020. It's your humble host, Captain Middle America himself, Rick Barrett. And in the words of Mother Angelica, I am no punching bag. I want to wish grace and peace to every single one of you. Stay tuned here for President Trump's rally immediately following this show and all great programming here on the Crusade Channel. And now... Always and forever, Viva Cristo Rey! States rally in Greenville, North Carolina. Whenever you hear the Hulk Hogan music, unless it's on a Friday Barrett brief, that means we're going live to a campaign rally event. Unlike any other media uh, out there, a radio or television station, the Crusade Channel goes live with every Trump rally. Uh, Trump rally, you get it start to finish 